Hi, welcome to Things in Jars, a podcast about oddities, curiosities, and all the weird and wonderful stuff that dwells in museum stores. I'm Melissa. And I'm Poppy, and we're both curators, here to take you behind the scenes of the museum with us as we explore cool artefacts and answer your questions about what it's really like to work in a museum. Welcome to another episode of Things in Jars. And this week, Poppy and I thought it would be a very nice thing to sit down and just have a chat about our lives, our work lives, what we've been up to, and how things are going with the podcast. We did kind of intend to do something like this on the anniversary of our actual birthday, which was on June the 28th we published our first ever episode of Things in Jars. But as happens, life got in the way. We were so busy, both of us, just with different things, as we'll talk about in a little while. But unfortunately, it didn't end up happening. So that's why we're bringing you this episode a little bit later than we thought. But it's still the end of our birthday party month, kind of. I know it's July now, but to us, it still feels like the end of the birthday party. Um, and yeah, I mean, now that our guests have have left the party, what better time to reflect on how far we've come in a year? Yes. As you said last time, it's the 2am, eating the birthday cake, draining the dregs of the champagne. In our party frocks. (laughs) (laughs) Mascara smeared on our hot faces from throwing some shapes on the floor. Or crying in the corner, conversely. Whatever you choose to do at parties, you yeah. Know? We welcome all types of party people. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into the rest of the episode, we'd just like to clarify that opinions expressed in this show are our own, and Things in Jars is not affiliated with the museum in which we work, although we will be referring a lot to its wonderful collection. First off, we should probably apologise for the fact that there was no episode last week. Um, The reason being, life got in the way. I know I've said that before in this episode already, I think, but we've just been... We've been really busy. Yeah. Um, And our posting over... Since we came back, really, after we took our January break, has also been a little bit inconsistent there have been weeks where we've had to miss episodes and again we're really sorry neither of us could have anticipated how difficult it would be going back to being full-time and also recording the podcast researching the podcast editing the podcast social media posting about the podcast all of it adds up and we were kind of a little bit naive about what we were going to be able to do we were hopeful we we were hopeful we could keep on top of things but in the end i mean we i think i think you know we shouldn't put ourselves down too much because i think we were apart from the odd week here and there we have put out weekly episodes we did the big birthday month and we've achieved a lot in the last six months i feel we have we have and we wanted to say thank you to 
all of the listeners who have stuck by us, not deserted us when we haven't posted, who have yeah. been sympathetic and enthusiastic for new episodes anyway. So we do it all for you um, and ourselves, but also for you. <laughs> yeah, we we enjoy it. We also hope you enjoy it too. So should we say a little bit about why life has been getting in the way? Why life has been so busy? So I guess going all the way back to January, both Poppy and I, we may have mentioned this this in an episode, I can't remember if we did, but both both of us went back to work full-time basically after having been on furlough, part-time furlough for a lot of 2020. We both went back to work full-time and things got very, very busy as it did for lots of museums and, well, everyone really, everyone kind of opening back up after the winter lockdown, preparing for visitors again. Um, for us as well, we were preparing to open at Wordsworth Grasmere, our big uh, redeveloped site and visitor offer. So the new museum, the new Dove Cottage experience. There was a lot going on and a lot to get done. And yeah, we just found ourselves busier and busier and busier every day, which was good. It was really nice to be back in the swing of work and getting a lot done. But the day is just, I mean, even sitting here, I cannot believe it's July. Me neither. <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, so yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind six months and we're sitting now here on the other side of having reopened the museum. It's been open since May. Um, yeah, I guess we've just both found that a lot more of our energy has gone into our kind of daily work and we've had less energy to to kind of put into making episodes and planning. I think p- particularly planning for us, we yeah. kind of found that we haven't had a lot of headspace to kind of think ahead. So we found ourselves kind of just week by week being like, what should we do this week? What should we do this week? Yeah, which was a real change from how we did it initially. Because back in, oh, back back this time last year, we had about six episodes in the bank at once. We would. We were so we good were at the start, weeks weren't we? Ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we were so, we were so good. proud. We were so proud. And I think it was when we hit October and the, the after dark and we were putting out two episodes. That's kind of when we realised that we were getting close to being in a danger zone of kind of recording the week that an episode was going out. And we kept saying, we're not going to let this get like this again. We're going to try and schedule more weekends and more time to record extra episodes so that we have them ready to go. But that was at the point at which you went back to work and I I was still furloughed, but Melissa had less time because she was beginning part-time again. And it just, all of our best laid plans... We just, as much as we wanted to, it wasn't really sustainable. So that's partly why we took January off, to give ourselves a break. Um, And also because we hoped we might be able to start building up our repertoire again, which didn't quite happen either. (laughs) I think we realised that we needed the break more than we thought. Um, Because that was the point at which the podcast took a little bit of a dip for us. We still loved doing it, but I think both of us were struggling with the amount it required from us and kind of feeling a little bit dissatisfied with what we were putting out because we didn't have time to maybe research as much as we'd like or I think both of us just felt like we were not doing our best and that 
there was more we could give. So we wanted to make sure that we were in a good space to be able to do that. Hence the January break. Despite our best efforts, we're still back in that place. We are still recording possibly on a Tuesday, editing on a Wednesday and putting things out on a Thursday. Yeah, that's been the last few weeks, hasn't it? That's been, I mean, wouldn't recommend that to people. But you know, it's it's fine from time to time and we've done it. But But at what cost, Melissa? Yeah, oh, I know. I think we've had these, we've had, we're good at having honest conversations with with each other and we're very similar in how we work. Like we both need time in advance. We both can't be rushed to the last minute. Yeah. We're, we're lucky that we're the same in that respect because we both understand the strain it puts on each other when things are left to the last minute. Yeah. And we also are very understanding of each other when one of us has had a hard week or is low on energy because we just know how it feels to... Feel dead. You know, to put inside. yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Feel dead inside. Feel like a shell. <laughs> An empty one. Oh, the void is large and dark within the empty shell. But um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, but I mean, having said all of that, when when I look back over our episode list uh, since January, there's some business some great ones in there and our birthday month with the guests that we had and you know there was some real it's been some real highs and I really hope that everyone out there has really continued to enjoy the episodes that we put out in the last six months because honestly I think there are some good ones in there I remember having a great time recording some of them so it's not all been bleak it hasn't it really hasn't we wouldn't have continued if it was all bleak no and I think we're just coming from a place now where we're feeling pretty knackered and we're kind of reflecting like, ah, yeah, ah, yes, the time. Yeah. But no, it's it's been like such highs. And I, you know what? I'm really proud that we've been able to keep going for the last six months because it has been so busy. I know it is for everyone, really. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of you listening will know what I mean. Just the day to day kind of work, the time just goes so quickly, the craziness, the kind of getting up, heading out to work, the days just slip by. Mm. you feel like you can't catch your breath that's how it's felt a little at the minute I think it's also felt quite overwhelming as in just returning to work in general Mm. from a very different last year and even just things like the news and all of the things going on in the world it, it does take a toll and heading back out into the world and doing full days once more as well as juggling all the other kind of life admin and stuff. I've found it really hard. And sometimes, yeah, then coming home to record the podcast, both of us have been like, wow, yeah, we're still processing a lot of a lot of stuff. But maybe we should talk a little bit about what going back to work has actually looked like for us. Like, let's share some of the, the cool things that are happening in museums post-COVID. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you been since since January, since we went back, both of us, what have been some of your key projects? My key projects? I had a lot of preparation to do for the new museum at Wordsworth Grasmere. I was involved in making a lot of film and audio pieces that went into there. Um and also another special temporary exhibition. There's been a lot of planning that's gone into that. Um, the recruitment and management of the new trainees that have joined us this year. Um, yeah, I mean, for a while there, the new museum 
and the kind of reopening of the site was kind of the big, big focus for everyone. And we were all involved in it in one way or another. And there was kind of that last few weeks of kind of getting everything ready, installing things, getting into the showcases and figuring out how they all worked, which was really fun. Um, Yeah, a lot, a lot of big stuff actually. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm sure there's more, but I can't think of what that is. So what what have you been doing since we returned? At the beginning, a lot of my workload was also focusing on on the reopening. In particular, I spent maybe two months uh, producing the large print guide for the galleries, which definitely stands out as something that I put a lot of time and Mm. energy into. And it was just one of those frustrating tasks because my laptop was not dealing with the software very well and it's just painstaking going through and making sure all the labels match the labels in the exhibition exactly as they're written, the italics are in the same place, the lines break in the same place, all of that attention to detail and then sending it off to someone else who had format it and then me proofreading it again to make sure it was still the same as it was when I sent it off and that just seemed to go around and around in circles for weeks and weeks and weeks just little changes needing to be made so that was something that I just kind of felt was a big a big important job Um, and that was really nice in a way because I got to spend a lot of time by myself in the brand new permanent exhibition which is something that the curatorial team at Wordsworth Grasmere has been working on for the past two, three years, maybe Mm, two years. Yeah. Um, And just, it's such a nice space. It looks so good. I can't praise it highly enough. Everything just works and comes together really nicely. And I felt quite emotional just being in there, just by myself with all of the, the big displays and these items that we had chosen piece by piece, the labels that I had written, you know, only 50 words a label, so choosing every character with the utmost care and making sure every word was working exactly the way we wanted it to, to convey a feeling or a story or to give you an impression that we'd chosen because that's what we want people to take away. It just felt like, you know, that that kind of quiet we did it and it was just so nice to kind of sit in the middle and and feel the weight of the achievement and it really is it's I'm so proud of it I could talk about the exhibition for days because I just yeah it exceeded all of my expectations it was so hard to picture it during the journey from just the plans that we had been given and the artist impressions and stuff but it is really really stunning it is when you see it in person what would you say are some of the top things to see in the exhibition? What are your favourites? There are too many. There are, for me, there are some really, without giving too much away, there are some really emotional, moving uh, letters in there that really cut me to the core and really make you feel something, I would say. I think I think what the gallery, well, what the gallery can do for people and what the objects can do and the whole story can do and the way that we've tried to to make things is that we want people to really be able to feel the words and feel the poetry and there are some things in there that yeah just make you just make you feel god that was a <laughs> that was a weird answer sorry <laughs> no that's that's a good answer you're very right <laughs> i should have just said 
Dorothy's a Grasmere journal. <laughs> no, you, sh- you should never feel like you have to say Dorothy's journal. But of course, Dorothy's journal is a treasure and the people should come and see it in the flesh. What would you say? It's so hard to pick just because the brief was to pick items that best illustrate Wordsworth's life and why he's important. And yeah, items that have a really emotional connection to the core story of the Wordsworths. So everything I would pick is in there. <laughs> like yeah. all the treasures. Um, oh, I mean, there's things that I don't necessarily like, but are definitely things to see that mean a lot. There's probably a lot of things in there that we've talked about on the podcast podcast before, you know. You know, in episodes like, for example, William and Mary's Love Letters. We've talked about those before in our Valentine's Day episode, yes. I think. They, they are in there. And the moving things that you talked about are in our Sad Collections episode. Oh, yes, they are. Of course they are. Oh, yeah. But all yes, of them, in are. fact. The Abergavenny rack items are in there. The letters are in yep. there. Yep. Yep. Everyone's heard about this before. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, the, the Grassmere journals are in there, and we've spoken about those so many times. Oh, well, I mean, say no more. Just, yeah, come see what we're on about. So that brings us up to the present day. That has... That has been our busy lives, I would say. So changes are afoot, aren't they? It's probably time (laughs) to say that there have been some other changes. And shortly after the museum opened, I left Wordsworth Grasmere. I don't know how much I can say at this point. I don't want to share anything I'm not meant to. So I will possibly update in the future. But... I'm no longer an assistant curator at Wordsworth Grasmere. I am an assistant curator somewhere else. So it has been a big, big change. I've been at Wordsworth Grasmere for the last four years. My entire career up until this point has been at Wordsworth. And yeah, I mean, I can't believe I wouldn't be seeing Melissa every day. My heart breaks. Very, very upsetting. But we have a bond (laughs) that shall never be broken. Oh, so. yeah, we do. It's been a tough time, everyone. It has been tough. Gosh. Yeah, so... Gosh, it has. And of course I'll be back to visit. And I don't know for the podcast yet whether... I think I'll just pretend that I kind of still work there when it comes to, <laughs> to the, the themes and stuff. Because I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about the other collection. So... Yeah, you are, you're always welcome to share a Wordsworth item. You know that. Thank you. I know. Well, also... I still haven't really got stuck in with the other collection yet, so I don't really have any stories for you. I don't know it super well, so... Yeah, you need some time to dig on in and and see what you can bring, yeah, because it sounds, from what you've shared with me already, it Juicy. sounds very tantalising. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like, in fact, you reeled off a list of things that made excellent item spotlights, so... I did. Your your spotlight treasure trove is rich and overflowing. Okay, so in advance of this episode, we asked if you had any questions that you would like to ask us. And we have a couple of questions that we are going to answer. 
So, what is the first question you got for us, Poppy? So, the first question came from our friends at Haunted History BC. They asked if people ever anonymously drop strange things off at the museum doorstep. So I've definitely had strange things come in over over my time, but I can't remember if they've been anonymous. I don't think so. I think they've always come with some sort of person who is delivering them or a note. But have you? Uh, I don't think I've ever had anything anonymously dropped off, but I think I have had things sent through the post anonymously. And that's really difficult. I think it's happened a few times since I've been there. Um, but there's definitely one clear example I can remember. Someone sent us a box of like Grasmere views. Like, you know, the little... I think they oh, used yeah, to be really the little popular. Tiny yeah, it's a tiny yeah. cardboard box with 12 photographs of different Grasmere scenes. And they were like really mass produced um, a while back. So we already have a million in the collection. And someone very kindly sent them in and... Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah. 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 And I don't think it had any... I think there might have been a note, but I don't know if it was addressed or anything. So we then couldn't get in touch and ask... Well, get in touch to let them know that we already had multiple of them in the collection and would they like us to send them back or... Yeah, so it can be really difficult when things do arrive anonymously it's a massive headache because you then have a responsibility to deal with the things properly it's not just like museums can say oh well there's no details it's not our problem it's very much a problem still yeah uh okay the second question uh was from someone who said that they are currently working in healthcare but their dream is to become a conservator. So do we have any tips or advice on steps they can take to help them segue into the heritage sector? It's a little bit of a tricky one to answer because it, it a lot of it depends on what paths you can sort of reasonably and practically take in your life. There are lots of different steps and routes that you can take, but it all depends on how much time you have, how much money you have. Um, you know, in terms of funding yourself through qualifications, for example, or training courses, um, or whether you can find somewhere where that training is kind of part of your a job or, you know, it, it there's lots of, of variations. But I would say just on a sort of starting out level, one thing I would recommend is perhaps going online and maybe following some conservators or conservation um, professionals on Twitter, for example. There's lots of great ones that we know and follow um, that basically just talk about their work and perhaps you could follow them, maybe contact them and ask for hints and tips. Um, You could attend sort of talks, things like that, that kind of give you a bit more of a particular insight into ways that you can get involved in in the conservation world. Because there are lots of opportunities. Sometimes it's just keeping an eye out for them and kind of jumping on them when they come up. Yeah, I would say that there's loads of ways into the sector. It's very, very open-ended and it's a sector built on people and what individual people can bring. So... What I would recommend doing is really thinking about what you can bring to museums. What is something that is unique to you that 
may be of benefit to institutions. And the fact that you've come from a healthcare background is really topical for museums. Um, museums are all about communities, they're all about well-being, so you probably have a lot of really good skills and experiences that are very, very in demand for the kinds of work that we do. So I would also say just to be bold and reach out. Think about what you can offer and then if you have the time and if this is kind of something that you want to pursue, you could try reaching out to organisations and seeing what kind of projects they may be able to work on with you. It is bold, it's kind of scary, um, but honestly it's happened in words with Grasmere, I mean, I've seen it happen in my role where people have expressed an interest, introduced themselves, reached out and they've shadowed me for a week. Um, they've said very clearly that they want to, I don't know, contribute. They want to work with us and they can bring this, this and this. And we've created projects for them that have been of benefit to us and I've got them where they need to be. And the heritage sector is really, I think it's one of the wonderful things about it is it is very open and it's full of people who really do want to give other people a leg up. So the chances are, if you contact people directly, you're gonna make an impression, you're gonna stand out and if they can help you, they absolutely will. So I've had wonderful experiences too as someone that has reached out and asked for opportunities. Um, so it goes both ways and we're all, you know, it's a small sector really for what it's worth. So helping each other goes a long, long way and people will remember it. Um, so yeah, put yourself out there. Think about what you can offer and just remember that there is not one route in. People become museum professionals from a whole range of backgrounds and it's totally possible. It's hard and it's hard at this point in time as well where there aren't as many opportunities as there perhaps once was and there will maybe continue to be fewer and fewer opportunities but it doesn't mean that you can't do it it really really doesn't and i would also say um another really important thing is to build your networks and build your understanding of the heritage sector as a whole so as melissa said get on Twitter. If you don't have Twitter, make a Twitter because this is kind of where all the professional chat and, I don't know, like networking chat happens. Um, follow conservators, follow curators, follow people like Fair Museum Jobs who give amazing resources on um, how to succeed in museum careers, how to call out bad practice in recruitment, how to carve a path into the sector if you're coming from a slightly non-academic, um, and I mean that as in non-museum studies degree, non-very specialist to the area that you're curating PhD. So if you're coming from like a slightly out of the way <laughs> um, path, I guess, they really help with that. And they are all about smashing those barriers that exist in museum recruitment. So follow them, they're great. Follow Museum Development Northwest, who are wonderful in sharing courses linked to certain museum skills, 
they have a lot of resources as well. They're also just really good for sector news and celebrating achievements and um, lots and lots of opportunities come through them. I'm sure there's others, but I really only know about the Northwest one. Uh, Collections Trust is again really, really good. Lots of professional courses that are free, but build a lot of museum skills. Very, very key. Good luck. So I think that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Things in Jars. And before we sign off, we just wanted to give you a heads up about what our plans are for the next couple of months. And it may be no surprise to you after listening to this episode that we are going to take a bit of a break um, just to allow ourselves to, I guess, get back up to speed with kind of our daily lives, our daily work, um, to take a bit of time to rest and recuperate for Poppy to get settled into her new role. And really just for just for us to get a bit of our energy back and give us time, our much needed time to plan what we're going to be uh, doing next. So let us not all forget that our favourite time of year is going to be coming back around the spooky season. <laughs> Yeah. It's on the horizon. It's only a mere few months away. So we need to get thinking about that. So everyone, please be assured that we are going to be focusing some effort on on uh, After Dark Part 2. We will. But we also want to just get back to doing what we love about the podcast. We want to get some really great episodes, some good themes, some good objects to talk about. We want to find some more wonderful guest speakers and I guess what we really should say is just going back to our birthday month you know we were so over the moon to have such a wonderful selection of guests to celebrate our first birthday like we could not believe our look with how how generous and gracious and interesting and cool all of our guests were so thank you once again to to the c-word podcast to chloe and jenny from the c-word podcast to tessa bose and also to live from let's talk about myths baby because all of them were just wonderful um so yeah we really want to get some more guest speakers lined up so really we're just going to take a couple of months i think just to get ourselves sorted um to make some plans and things in jars will be returning with a vengeance oh yeah with a new lease of life we're thinking tentatively September. We are hoping because September is also Ask Curator Month and we have some aspirations there. So we're hoping to, yeah, be returning to our nourished and replenished selves by then. Um, and in the meantime, we will try and keep active on our social media channels. So we hope there won't just be a dead silence from our end. Um, <laughs> but I mean, no promises. No, we will. We'll try. We'll keep up. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we'll keep you up to date with what we're doing and we'll let you know when to expect new episodes. And yeah, I think, you know, we're sorry that we can't continue posting weekly at the minute, but we hope that when we do come back, you'll enjoy our episodes even more. We'll enjoy making them. And we've got a back catalogue of 50 episodes for you to enjoy and revisit. 50. So please, please go ahead and and 
explore your way through episodes, episodes, <laughs> episodes of your, you know, go all the way back to, back to haunted doll, creepy doll days, you know, episode one. That's been back so to the licking many stones. creepy dolls day. Oh my gosh, the licking stones. <laughs> back to the hands of glory. You know, all of those old, old classics. Yeah, we were just saying how many, how many like hundreds of stories we must have covered. Yeah. There'll be really good things in there that we've completely forgotten about, like um, the old witch of Rusup and the magic potatoes. Oh, I loved that. Oh, I yeah. love that. The killer oh, pike yeah. of Windermere. Remember Snowflake Bentley? I do remember Snowflake Bentley. <laughs> I have a fond memory of dear, dear Snowflake Bentley. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, memory lane. Dracula salad. Oh gosh, yeah, Dracula salad. And the real magic mirror. Yeah, that was not that long ago. No, it wasn't. It does that feels good. like quite a long time ago though. It does. Yeah, the fairy tales episode. That was the, good. Yeah. Oh the ghosts in trees. Ghosts and trees, yeah, yeah. Oh, and my favourite song about Mary the Phantom, the ghost, do you remember? Yes, yeah, the anatomy one. <laughs> okay. Anyway, anyway, back to the rounding up. So yeah, a lot of really cool objects that we've covered. A lot of classic faves. So I guess that leaves us to say thank you to everyone again for making our first year as things in jazz go so well. We are so happy with what we've done and so happy that it has made a lot of people smile and be interested and be curious and to laugh and to weep with us on occasion. Yeah, and to sit with teeth chattering in terror on others yeah oh yeah we've hit a range of emotions and we're really glad that you've all come on this journey with us in the last year and don't worry we will be back we are returning bigger and better dare i say we must wish you all well and for now say farewell farewell and we'll see you soon Take care, everyone, and we'll be back. Bye.